God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha. 
which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. The word of the Lord. Spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup is running over. I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels 
stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and understanding and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord.
according to John. It was the festival of the dedication of Jer at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus liked animals too. He frequently uses the image of the shepherd to describe his identity and purpose in this world. One who places a great deal of compassionate care, refuge, protection for all who believe in him. Jesus' followers are his sheep, his flock. He is their shepherd, and he will gather them up into his arms to protect them from all that threatens to snatch them away, even, even if it means laying down his life for his sheep. The shepherd is devoted to his fold, and they in return will follow him anywhere and everywhere he leads. Without the shepherd, the sheep will lose their way, they become vulnerable to predators, and they have no real chance of survival. The shepherd and his sheep belong to each other, and their, regular, their relationship reveals this profound sense of belonging and belief, which is the very core of Jesus' ministry. For the last several months, Jesus has been teaching and healing 
performing miracles, especially for those in society who are shunned and live on the fringes. And this particular morning, we are privy to Jesus' ongoing debate with a very mixed crowd in the temple. There are those who are devout followers of him, and they're hungry to know more. And then there are some thrown in that are just curious onlookers. They've heard about this storytelling rabbi and all that he has said and done, and they want to know more. And then those in the crowd who are disingenuous, they are imposters. They don't believe the word he says. They simply want to trip him up, to expose him as a fraud, as a blasphemer, so they can refuse him. It's a wintry day near the end of December. It is the rededication of the temple, the festival we call Hanukkah, the festival of lights, when the Jews celebrate reclaiming the temple after it was defiled by Syrian Jews in the latter part of the second century BCE. Jesus is walking near Solomon's Gate, known as the judgment seat, where kings would sit and issue decrees and pass judgments. It's a grand covered portico with stately pillars rising some 40 feet high. It's quite an imposing place for Jesus to be as he shares who he is and who is to be part of his squad, those who follow him. However, it's interesting that Jesus is not willing to give them the answer this crowd seeks. They're wanting what I would call a Reader's Digest version of the Gospel, something that's edit for, edited for a quick and easy read. The mystery of God does not work this way. In fact, the fact that they are asking these questions reveals how far off the mark they are in understanding that Jesus has already revealed who he is by all the works he has already done. And so they persist in asking, how long will you keep us in surprise? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Not only does Jesus refuse to answer them with a direct answer, he refuses, he answers them, responds in what I would call would be a heartless reproach. He says, you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. Well, if you conclude that you are part of this, you count yourself one of the flock, if you come to church, say your prayers, you give to the poor, then that means you're a member of the club. Good standing. You're fine. You don't have anything to worry about. If you don't feel this way, if you're not quite sure, then you're out. You're out in the cold. This sounds cruel, exclusionary, and judgmental in the worst way especially if you're like me and you wrestle with doubt and uncertainty. It's a club I know I could not meet the membership requirements of if I'm honest about my own faith journey, which is a very bumpy ride, and my own relationship with Jesus. It goes up and down all the time. <clears throat> Writer Debbie Thomas states that we assume that Jesus is saying we must first believe in order to belong to him. And she's saying we have it just the opposite. What's 
important is that belonging comes first. It is in our belonging, in our willingness to accept Jesus to be part of his flock, that we follow him day in and day out from Monday through, to, through Saturday as well as on Sunday, saying our prayers, helping out that neighbor or stranger, sharing the bread and the wine as we get on our knees and say our prayers. This, all this action provides the fertile soil in which a firm belief of faith can take root and be nourished and supported along the way. But we know it is not easy. Authentic faith in God is a spiritual journey that is anything but a smooth ride on a smoothly paved road provided with guardrails, perfectly groomed shoulders, and nicely kept rest stations. It is far from being an effortless ride with automatic cruise control. That type of faith is what I call pie in the sky. It's not really faith at all. In fact, it is a distortion of our relationship with the one true living God, and it's something we only find in fairy tales. It is not real life. Instead, our true faith journey on this side of the resurrection is often a very bumpy, unpredictable ride at best. We encounter snarled traffic jams, giant potholes and dangerous detours along the way because we live in the real world and we deal with real world problems. At times, we find our faith, ourselves faced with setbacks. Maybe financial woes or difficulties with employment. We face tragedies. Just these last few weeks, we've had two school shootings. We hear about the opioid epidemic that has touched so many lives. We hear about injustices, all sorts of discrimination, devastation of our environment, no or inadequate health insurance. And, of course, all those unforeseen challenges that we face every single day. Then there's also the incredible joy that we experience, abundant love, generosity, and exhilaration of what it means to be truly alive. This is the world we inhabit. As I quote one of my favorite actresses, Betty Davis, she says, it's time to fasten our seatbelts because it's going to be a long and bumpy ride. That's the world we inhabit. Because of our God-given intellect, doubt and uncertainty are very much part of our faith journey. It's an integral part. I remember years ago in the Diocese of Minnesota, they had a campaign by the Episcopal Church, and there was a huge poster was in the airport and it showed a big picture of Jesus and it said Jesus came to take away your sins not your mind it is our God given intellect that we are to use Jesus did he himself had his doubts and uncertainties remember he went into the desert for 40 days and nights after he was baptized trying to discern what does it mean to be the savior of the world what does it mean to be the Messiah? He also prayed fervently that whole night in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
when he knew he was going to be arrested and killed. If we're honest, doubt and uncertainty make up our faith journey. We can't have true, sincere, authentic faith without it. Struggle is part of the journey. As Brene Brown, sociologist and author, says, we are hardwired for struggle from the very moment we are born. It is through our struggles, through our doubts and uncertainties, that we begin to know who we truly are. And we begin to discern what this relationship is like with God, with each other, and within ourselves. Doubt and uncertainty forges our faith. A couple weeks ago, a young religious writer named Rachel Held Evans died at the young age of 37. You may have read some of her work. Some of it was on the New York Times bestseller list. She made quite an impact in her short life, sharing what it means to wrestle with faith and doubt, finding and following Jesus in a broken and violent world. She was a millennial, so that's the generation that was born between 1981 and 1996, those in their 20s and 30s, essentially. And she said, as a millennial, we are too looking for communities of faith, to find communities that practice what Jesus teaches in an honest and inclusive way. Now, this is part of the generation that just most recently the Pew Research has found that majority, more than 50%, claim to be spiritual, not religious. We call them the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. It doesn't mean because they're not sitting in the pews, they're not searching for God. They are. And that's what she's saying, even with doubt. Evans grew up in an evangelical church, and after years of searching and wrestling with her own doubts, and uncertainty. She found her way to the Episcopal Church, and she wrote about this in a wonderful article, and it's about the diversities of the seekers that she goes to church with. She says, no one's desperately trying to make the gospel hip or relevant or cool. They're just joining me in proclaiming the great mystery of the faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And she says, in spite of my persistent doubts and knee-jerk cynicism, I still believe that, most days. She said, this is the inclusivity that so many people in her generation <laughs> long for this church. It's the inclusivity that eventually drew me to the Episcopal Church whose big red doors open wide to all. Conservatives, liberals, rich, poor, gay, straight, and she says, and even perpetual doubters like me. Jesus invites us all to be part of his flock. And he does so with a given insurance that no matter what lies ahead in the future, in the days to come, with all our doubts, with all our uncertainties, Christ is the Good Shepherd that will hold us and protect us so nothing, nothing 
can snatch us from the hands of God. Amen. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten of me, of one being with the Father, through whom all things were made, for us and for our salvation. say our prayers. Made alive in Christ and filled with the Spirit, let us pray for the church, the world, and all of God's creation. Gracious God, your voice sings in the church. Bless our worship that sharing bread in communion, we also share abundantly with people in every place. Lord, in your mercy, your voice sings in creation. Preserve pastures and city parks, oceans and water sources, so that nature provides life and protection for all creatures. Lord, in your mercy. Your voice sings among the nations. Curb the desire for vengeance. Turn us and our leaders from dishonest speech and deceitful living, and lead us in your truth. Lord, in your mercy, your voice sings among those in need, the poor, the homeless, the suffering, the ill, those who are hospitalized, those who have died, and those who grieve for them. We pray especially for those on our parish prayer list. Lord, in your mercy, your voice sings in our homes and families. We give thanks for all who provide mothering care and pray that Christ's love would be revealed in the generosity and gentleness shown to all our children. 
Lord, in your mercy. Receive our prayers, merciful God, and dwell in us richly. Through Jesus Christ, our life and our Redeemer. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be always with you.
Lord our God. It is right, good, and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But chiefly are we bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. For he is the true Paschal Lamb who was sacrificed for us and has taken away the sin of the world. By his death, he has destroyed death. And by his rising to life again, he has won for us everlasting life. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, 
and bring us to that heavenly country where with St. John and all your saints, we may enter the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. By him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say,
Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us with these words of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living in the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal freedom. And now, moment before I give the blessing, I was remiss in not mentioning J.P. Evans, uh, who helped in the garden, and also our other warden, Virginia uh, Van Dyke. She reminded us about every five minute, minute intervals where we're doing the work of the Lord. <laughs> the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. Amen.